0: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Richard Herring.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. Lovely to see you all. Thank you for coming along. Welcome to Richard Herring's Edinburgh Fringe podcast, episode something. I've lost count, uh, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rehef. Well, a few cool kids in today. we got a fantastic guest today. I'm very, very excited. We've got uh, Barry Cryer is in their building today, ladies and gentlemen, which is very, I'm, going, I'm looking forward to just sitting back and not saying anything uh, and listening to him talk. So that's going to be a good one for me because it's kind of, a, you know, we're halfway through, and just a little bit over halfway through the the fringe now and it's. I'm kind of bearing up okay, I have to say, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a grind doing this every day, I, can't, I have to tell you. I know you're meant to be entertaining, you're not complaining, <laughs> but fuck you all. Uh, there won't be any of that when Barry's on. It's all right. He, he doesn't do the blues. I'm going to try and make him do the rudest stuff possible. Uh, I was telling he, Barry has, I went to see his show yesterday, which is brilliant. There's one more chance to see it uh, today. He's sensibly leaving tomorrow, which is what we should all be doing. Uh, but he has a high-backed armchair. He does the whole of his, uh, well, it's a throne, really. It's a kind of mixture of the two things, which is a, a joke that's from a different podcast I do, which I, I just had to explain to him. Uh, LAUGHTER Semicircular toilet mat. He didn't have that. So um, <laughs> for the people at home, we'll get that. But luckily, uh, most of the audience here have come to see Barry Cryer and I have no idea what to do. <laughs> uh, so I was—I've uh, been um, offered an advert today. I don't—I don't do adverts. I feel. Um, it's kind of wrong as a co- as a comedian, you know. I kind of even though most of the things I say are just about spunk and shit, uh, they're, they're the things I want to say. So I shouldn't be, pay- you know, I shouldn't. If someone pays me to say something they want to say, then um, they'd have to give me a lot of money. No, they. Then I don't. I think it kind of devalues what, what I'm doing. But the advert that I was offered, which I've since realised uh, lots of uh, I've mentioned on Twitter and pretty much every comedian in the world has been offered it. So it's not. I thought oh, maybe I've made it. I'm being like, Febreze want me to advertise them, uh, but uh, well, the the Gig is sitting in a Perspex box in like King's Cross Station for three days. Uh, and uh, and then having to do some stunts involving smells I guess, I guess things will get smelly in there uh, but I, I turned that, I thought that was a bit uh, demeaning but that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> thought that's you know, sort of being sent to prison for three days but everyone can see, I don't know how you go to the toilet and stuff, that's the thing that, the first thing that I thought is, you know, what is it, is it a Perspex with a Perspex toilet in the corner because that's not going to be very pleasant so uh, I've, I've turned that down uh, luckily and, um, and talking of effluent uh, uh, Gerald Depardieu, the big big news today is Gerald Dappardu's been in the news uh, for um he needed a wee on a plane he was going on a short flight and uh, he needed a wee uh, and uh he, uh, he, they wouldn't let him go to the toilet because they were about to take off. So he weeded in a bottle in front of everyone <laughs> and got thrown off the plane So they, they, I don't, I don't, and delayed the flight. So I don't know, really, because they should have just let him go to the toilet, right? That would have been the best. He really needed to go. He wasn't drunk. He, he was just drunk. He drank a litre of water was the claim. But uh, I've, I've experienced that where you really need to, you know, you're sitting there and it's taking a long time to go off and you really need to go and I had quite an unpleasant experience where they did let me go but then I couldn't, i was—I've been waiting for so long to go they let me go to the toilet but i have been waiting for so long to go I couldn't go to the toilet, I was so desperate for the toilet I was unable to go to the toilet so I sat down on the toilet hoping, you know, like a posh wee hoping that would, treating myself but unfortunately I sat down on the toilet and then some other toilet business started occurring and then they started knocking on the door going you have to get out now, the plane's about to take off it was awful it was. I was caught in the middle of something. It was, and I hadn't, and I hadn't even managed to do a wee. That was the terrible. So then I had to go back. Oh, it was awful. Sorry to br- sorry to bring the tone down, uh, for Mr. Cryer's fans. I feel like I'm in trouble. It's like having my. Uh, and he, I mean, he could be my dad. He isn't my dad, but it is like having your dad here. Yeah, having Barry Cryer. So I feel bad. And so this is another awful thing I'm going to say. Uh, it's just I've noticed there's a lot of animals killing, uh, especially British people at the moment. There's uh, polar bears sharks. An old woman has just been stung by some bees and killed. I'm just wondering if you've seen this. I just It seems they're happening all the time and it's against British people. I think there's some kind of animal based fatwa against our country. And they're, they're picking us off one by one. So be careful out there. That's a terrifying uh, thought. So um, look, I'm going to bring on our guest because you all want to see him and I want to see him. And uh, later on in the show, you'll get an opportunity to uh, win some stuff. Uh, so it's worth staying. Uh, Simon Donald, who's on yesterday, has given a copy of his autobiography, which is fantastic. I started reading it last night. Uh, you can find out the genesis if you've enjoyed my high-backed armchair material. You can find out the genesis of it in the complete, as it occurs to me. There's tickets to see Stephen Carlin, who's fantastic, Dave Fulton, and also Simon Donald, uh, and a £40 voucher for some wine. Now, now you've perked up a bit. Uh, so, uh, uh, so we'll do that later on in the show, but... Uh, I, I had the I spent the afternoon talking to Barry yesterday, and he just he, uh, he just can keep talking. He can talk, this man. So we're in for a treat. Will you please welcome a true Edinburgh legend and world comedy legend? He's worked with them all, Mr. Barry Cryerlessneman. <laughs> Special comfy chair for Barry. I don't, you might want to adjust your mic to where you want it to be. Um, how are you doing, Barry? How are you, how are you coping with, uh, with Edinburgh?
0: Last time I looked, I was all right. <laughs> um, oh dear, old Edinburgh! The, the rain—you've got to be ready. You've got to yeah. be ready. I love it. Been doing it over uh, 20 years now.
1: Yeah.
0: Willie Rushton and I were first off Hill Street, little venue at Hill Street. Willie and I years ago, as you know. Yeah. Uh, in a show called Two Old Farts in the Night. <laughs> <laughs> Title was Willie's idea, so we can't get done under the trade description. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been on offer now a lot uh, with Ronnie Golden. Yeah, I, but we're up together separately this year. Right, he's doing a great Ronnie Golden. Oh, brilliant man, my old friend should be much better known than he is. He's well known in Edinburgh. And yes, in, of course, in the game, yeah. everybody knows Ronnie, and he's doing a show in the
1: wee room. Uh, at the Gilded Balloon. Send Jared Dapperdew should go there, shouldn't he? That's he the, Jared Dapperdew should go to the Wee Room. That's where he should have gone before he got on the flame. Straight in. I'm feeding you. Straight in, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm a straight man <laughs>
0: No, uh, he's great because he's a great guitarist and he tells stories about his life and plays guitar. To hear him doing Jimi Hendrix and stuff yeah. is just a joy. And then he comes on at the end of my show. The audience don't know he's there. But, no. Uh, well, You've now, haven't
1: you? That's that, that's that surprise. That's that surprise. Not there. I have to say, it's not that much of an amazing climax. I've No, seen. no, no. It's it's like, a, oh, my goodness, it's Ronnie Golden. Oh, ruined. We haven't ruined the end of Sixth Sense. He's a ghost in the end. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Turns out he's a ghost all along. <laughs> uh, let's, uh... Can I tell them what happened last night? Yes, I go on. You? God.
0: Um, I opened with some, uh, as you know, cutting-edge contemporary... Uh, satirical dialogue and um, I refer to the lovely Rupert Murdoch you see the lizard of Oz and uh, (laughs) and uh, I say that I always want to ask his beautiful younger wife Wendy in the immortal words of Mrs Merton do you remember uh, talking to Debbie McGee wife of Paul Daniels I say I always wanted to ask Rupert Murdoch's wife what first attracted you to the geriatric billionaire Rupert Murdoch (laughs) ha 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 they were in last night Paul Daniels and <laughs> David. <laughs>
2: but Paul likes anything
0: that refers to him in any context whatsoever. <laughs> he comes
1: round afterwards. us. <laughs> <Bam! laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he hates uh, paedophilia, Paul, Paul Daniels. If, you have, if you've... Um, he does make that point in his show. <laughs> Dave Gorman was on the other day and told us that he, did, he used to do a joke about his wig and yes. he put it down his top and go. I'm, and you said, "I used to go, I'm Gary Glitter." He said, oh, "I don't do that anymore, you know, because of what happened in the news." Gets a laugh, and then he goes, "I hate that stuff." <laughs> uh, so. Uh, <laughs> So there you go. So that's my favourite uh, Paul Daniels uh, joke. Uh, if he's in today, then uh, he's... I'm uh, oh, congratulating me afterwards. So, yeah, I love the show. It's, it's, uh, Thank it's an A to Z of just... you have just going A to Z through Wand all the jokes. The you know. alphabet, yes. Yeah. And my
0: wife was in the audience uh, last night, and uh, a man in front of us said, uh, he's an intelligent man. Why is he telling jokes? <laughs>
1: Intelligent people don't tell jokes. Yeah, it's about. a weird thing. He's an intelligent man. Why has he come to a comedy show not yes, expecting exactly any exactly jokes? jokes. <laughs>
0: All my younger... M- well, everybody's younger than me, but uh, except Nicholas Parsons. Nicholas Parsons. Uh, <laughs> Who's cryogenic. Uh, but <laughs> uh, no, uh, my young mates love jokes. You know, we would love swapping jokes yeah. when we're in the bar and everything. But none of you tell jokes when you're on the stage. So I've got my little niche now. Yeah. As you know, I just... The old man sits in the armchair and tells jokes. Why not?
1: It's very. Well, I never remember jokes. That's the thing. Whenever I'm asked to tell a joke, I can never remember them. And you've got a joke for every occasion. Like Nick, Nicholas Parsons was, uh, rang you up just as we were sitting backstage. And then that's you right. immediately have a story about Nicholas Parsons, which I'll now let you, I've now queued up for you. But it's mate. But whatever happens, Barry will have a story for you. You are so, the Oxfam
0: of comedy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Feeding me in. No
0: true story allegedly. Ross Noble. My mate Ross Snow will tell me he did just a minute, right? The radio programme, and they were having a drink afterwards, and Ross was talking about his idol, Richard Pryor, who at that time was still with us. And Nicholas is listening very intently, and Ross said, oh, Richard, he said he's amazing. He set himself on fire, freebasing drugs, ran down the street naked, he's still with us, he's got MS now, he's in a wheelchair, still doing gigs. Nicholas is listening to all this. A few minutes later, Ross overheard Nicholas saying to somebody, have you heard about Richard Briars? <laughs> 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 The sequel being that Richard Bryer is an old friend of mine. I rang him up that night and told him that story. He was ill,
1: laughing. <laughs> <laughs> he said, talk about a change of image, I'm telling everybody. <laughs> You'll have to be careful when he's freebasing. Oh, no, no, okay, do you okay. want another? Yeah, go Nicholas. on, go on, of course, I want everything. Doing
0: his happy hour at the Pleasants and uh, 4 and of piano, right? They were due to come on and he'd forgotten. And uh, somebody came on the stage and said, Nick, Nick, 4 and of piano, they're waiting at the back. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. And he says to the audience, "Will you please welcome my next guest, Four Puffs and a Funeral," <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is another mental picture entirely, isn't it? it does. But he's and he is amazing. I mean, Nicholas Parsons is absolutely amazing. I mean, he is. He's he's like in approaching ninety, surely. He's, yeah, he's, he's kind a, of well. The last I mean, we're count. all approaching At ninety. The last count. H7. <laughs> H7. I mean, amazing. it's sort of astonishing because I did just a minute with him a couple of years ago, and um, it was when I had the Hitler moustache and the and the I think I'd, I'd heard you he said. Before, Apparently, we've got some act coming on who's, who's doing a Hitler <laughs> an Hitler appreciation act or something. He was very worried about me being actually, but he actually doing just a minute, and you know, he he he's very sharp with it indeed, isn't he? Oh, right. yes. But he but right at the beginning of that recording, he was doing a double record, and he was doing he was that talking to awesome. the, he was talking to the audience, and um, he tripped over one of the speakers. I like, had a problem a fall like he's an 85 year old man at that point yeah. falling onto the floor really badly and he got up and you know they, they all checked is all right but he just carried on and did every, you know i think most people who they had a bad fall at the beginning of a gig would oh, have yeah. kind of would have left it oh, but he no, kind true. of managed to do both shows without any problems also. The mentioned
0: ronnie golden my old friend we did a show uh, a few years ago here on the fringe and we had uh, black and white t-shirts old's cool you get what we did there? <laughs> old apostrophe, yes. Cool. Old school. Right. And we went on uh, his show wearing these T-shirts. And he said, I have to say, I think, you know, sort of, your T-shirts are illiterate. No, not illiterate. He said, why the apostrophe? Surely it should be old is cool. LAUGHTER
1: It's good. It's good that he's got a a career in comedy with that. But often people are the funniest people will not have any kind of sense of humour off stage. You must have met a few of those. A uh, lot of very funny actors especially don't really understand
0: jokes. His autobiography was called The Straight Man, My Life in Comedy. (laughs) (laughs) And a a critic reviewed that book and said, this man appears to have noticed nothing.
1: (laughs) 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 It's how he stayed alive so long.
0: He's
1: great. He's just a <laughs> He's phenomenon. He is awesome. Uh, I'm actually talking of T-shirts. Yesterday I was given... There's all this rumour going around, Barry, which I don't approve of. People. I don't know where it started. But people this year are calling me the King of Edinburgh and it's something I'm very embarrassed about because I don't think yes. that's true. And someone yesterday left me a T-shirt saying the King of Edinburgh. Uh, that was a nice uh, thing for them to do. Uh, Stephen Artis, I believe he was called. Uh, and... Um, I don't think it's fair that I should have that because I think it should. I think you're the king of Edinburgh, Barry. So I was was going to present this. I was going to present this uh, to you, but on the um, on the understanding, Barry, that you'll leave it to me in your will when you die. So. I'll be getting it back in you know 6, six go, to 8 months. So it's all right. I don't you know as long as, as long as he doesn't um... if I go first. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, was... I thought it said something else on the back but it doesn't. <laughs> so you can that that is now you're officially the king of Edinburgh That oh, is an official time handed over much. to
0: be a short reign. <laughs> Supposed to a long reign in Edinburgh. Let's move on quickly,
1: <laughs> So you've absolutely worked with that. I mean, what's incredible, you've been working for sort of over 50 years right, in the business, so you've yeah. worked with the names you've, you've worked with actually Richard Pry. I wrote
0: for Richard Pryor. Well, when I say I wrote, I worked with, because he came over uh, to do his show at Elstree Studios way back in the 70s. And I was a hand holder, you know, I met a lot of great Americans and they would send me off to a hotel room or a bar with the Americans and my role was, uh, you know, say uh, say pavement, not sidewalk, and <laughs> lift, not elevator, and I don't think i will get that, but I, I had a suggestion with their set, you know, what they, yeah, yeah. what they did and everything. And I met the awesome Richard Pryor, I thought, oh boy, this is gonna be heavy. Not remotely, he was so pleasant, we just chatted and chatted and, Oh, thanks, Barry. Thanks, and uh, changed one or two things for the English audience, and that was that. Then we went in the bar before the recording of the show, and uh, the great Priors at the bar with another guy, a friend of his, and uh, we didn't know that actually, and uh, their voices get louder and louder, and we're going, oh boy, this is the style of the show tonight. What's happening? This is oh boy, really loud and. and Richard finally said to the man with him, I'm going to take your white honky head and stick it up your fucking ass. <laughs> and stormed out the bar. But it was an act. <laughs> it was a friend of his. They used to do it regularly. <laughs> Wind everybody up. Oh, it was wonderful.
1: But then he worked with, I mean, right back, you worked with Jack Benny and... Yeah. Oh, and he was a
0: lovely man because he played a mean, conceited coward. Uh, you know, not a sympathetic character at all. Yeah. But a really lovely man. And he loved other people getting laughs, which as you know, is rare, with a big star. No, I'm not, not you. I'll rephrase that. People we have known, Richard. No, big star comedians don't necessarily relish other people getting laughs. And Jack Benny loved being the the butt of the joke. He loved handing the laughs. He didn't do jokes, it was wonderful dialogue. Um, Somebody sent me a DVD of a Jack Benny show, I think even black and white, years ago, and he had no rubbish on his show as guests. The guests in this show were James Stewart (laughs) and his wife. And it's great, this sketch, because there's no jokes. It's just character and atmosphere. It starts with Jack Benny in the corner of a restaurant reading a menu. James Stewart and his wife come on. Enormous applause from the audience. And James Stewart's first line was, oh no, it's Benny, and they sit down and hide behind their menus. (laughs) And a man comes up and asks James Stewart for his autograph. Jack Benny hears the word autograph and stands up, comes face to face with James Stewart. Oh, it was marvelous. Stewart did it beautifully, and he's embarrassed. Uh, uh, hello, Jack, how, how are you, how are you? And there's about 10 seconds of this stuttering, embarrassed conversation, and then just to keep it going, James Stewart said, are you missing television, Jack? This is on the Jack Benny television show. And Jack Benny says, I'm on every Wednesday night. <laughs> and James Stewart said, Oh, well, well um, oh, we're, 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 we're sort of out every Wednesday night. <laughs> How can you be out every Wednesday night? And James Stewart's wife said, It's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: Last night
0: he went. He did one. One he went round. The, the guests were amazing because he knew everybody. He went round to Gregory Peck's house, and he uh, Gregory says, "Come in, Jack. You want a drink?" And uh, Jack Benny says, uh, "Well, Greg, I just wondered if you would, uh, if you'd appear on my show." And Gregory Peck said, "Yes." And Jack Benny said, "Why not?" <laughs> <laughs> so used to rejection the more Gregory Beck said yes the more he said why not ah wonderful uh,
1: so all the Eric Morcom and what Morcom and Wise you wrote for yeah. on, on the ITV series yeah well yeah. I always
0: say the A-team was uh, Eddie Braben who's yeah. my old friend he wrote a lot of great shows uh, the late John Junkin and I wrote a lot uh, yeah. for Eric and Ernie and uh, Very happily. But Eric was something else who standing I'm not name-dropping, I'm just old. (laughs) Standing on the side of the stage of the palladium years ago with David Frost, who were doing an award show. And Eric Morcombe looked at David Frost and said, Are you in New York now? (laughs) (laughs) Best definition of Frosty ever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's great. Oh, and I saw Eric cornered once. Um, Eric, very quiet, polite man, not a life and soul of the party at all. If anybody came up, he'd twiddle his glasses and say something silly. But he's a very courteous, quiet-spoken man. Wanted to talk about sex and politics and football. He didn't, you know, he wasn't the life and soul. But this man cornered him and started pronouncing about show business. And I thought, oh boy! And Eric was listening very politely. This is true. I was there. And the man worked himself up to a sort of climax and said, "I always think, to be in show business, you need three things." And Eric said, if you've got three things, you should be in a circus. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, but you've, you know, you've been obviously performing yourself all the time. And one of my favorite facts about you is that you've been, t- you had a number one single in Finland. Yes. Yeah. How, did, how did that come about? How few of us can say the same. <laughs> I'm sure that's not, like you're the only person in, uh, in Edinburgh at the moment. Oh, it's the who can only say that. CV that's got, was once number one in Finland. <laughs> I'm very
0: proud of that. There was a, a guy called uh, Sheb Woolley, country singer and actor. And I told you he was one of the baddies in High Noon who was going to try and kill Gary Cooper. And he did country songs and everything. And he had a big hit in America with The Purple People Eater. <laughs> sort of E.T. thing about this extraterrestrial coming to Earth and everything, which crap. Anyway, but he did it well. <laughs> and I did a little English cover version and for some contractual reason or something they didn't put uh, Sheb's record out in Scandinavia and all over the place. And they pushed out my little English cover version. Then I get a call, you're number one in Finland. <laughs> I think they gave away a car with each record. <laughs> no,
1: I'm very proud of that. How did the record do in England, Barry? What, Nothing. You <laughs> <laughs> those Finns, those are my people. <laughs> <laughs> Can you walk down the street in Finland without oh, being called? Never mobbed? been. I've you never made been. It to you Finland? go. It's No, very nice no. no. It's full of trees. you
0: like it. Yes. I've been there once. High levels of. Uh, suicides and alcoholism and uh, so on these are my people (laughs) that was only after the record came out only after (laughs) oh it's on game on game on you know how to hurt me when I want you to
1: (laughs) <laughs> so you don't really do I do quite rude material so I'm being well behaved I've been very good haven't I so far My, the people who come to see me which isn't it's very shocking, many of them shocking. are slightly disappointed that I haven't <laughs> but there is a rude question coming up that uh, yeah. Yeah, people <laughs> will be, be good to know but uh, do you do, 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 do why do you veer away from that or do you do ruder stuff at different times Or I mean you're you it was quite cheeky your show I mean there's a lot of it's uh, innuendo and uh, yeah, references uh, to I sex without it's not, it's not me
0: being uh, hypocritical or pulling back my, my audience generally just uh, they don't take it from me. Right. I think fuck is a great word, <laughs> U- used, you know, yeah. paste. Not, it's tedious when you ever do it. I only get away with it if I attribute it uh, to somebody else, I told you. Uh, last time I was with Spike Milligan uh, at a lunch, a guy came up to Spike very sycophantically and said, uh, may I shake hands with the greatest living Englishman? And Spike said, I'm Irish, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Now that's so okay, you know. Yeah. Uh, do that. The one the audience don't like, and it's true. The great Humphrey Littleton, who was chairman of our uh, show, you know, and I knew him for fifty years, archetypal gentleman, stylish, never sworn, wonderful vocabulary and everything. But the last uh, gig, the last job he did with us before he went into hospital, sadly, for the last time, uh, we were in Harrogate, Yorkshire, right, and we we're all round the breakfast table in the tell next morning, and Humph had a bowl of prunes. And he took the first prune and he went, looked round the table and said, how can you fuck up a prune? (laughs) (laughs) It's funny anyway, but coming from him, ah.
1: Well it's the uh, impact you wait all that time and that's the thing if you don't, you yes. know you save it up and then oh, you, then, it's, then it genuinely is a surprise if someone shy. does swear whereas oh. if you swear all the time like some comedians uh, some spunk, uh. spunk and shit obsessed comedians then it's not as surprising is it when they do that it's yeah. surprising when they're suddenly all coy yeah. and fly. <laughs> 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 but what I really like about you is that you've stayed re- you really love comedy still right? which I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of comedians get kind of bitter about comedy as they learn how it works and, yeah, and then know. as their other comedians come and take over the their star. I mean, maybe it's
0: it was years of writing. You know, I started. We didn't call it stand-up in those days. I started as a sort of stand-up, and then it was right. over thirty years of writing. I think I got maybe a bit more of a, a balanced view of things. Yeah, and yeah. of course, when you work with the Morkums and the, the Coopers and all that, you just—I think you said—was that was there any envy when you write? You know, you can't have envy when you're writing for Eric Morkum or Tommy Cooper. How could you do it better? You know, you're a tailor making suits, you're riding for mm. these great people.
1: Yeah, but you've stayed very interested in, you know, you go and see gigs, and that's still very oh, yeah, you see. and a yeah. lot of people, I mean, there's a lot of people, I think, from the sort of the generation of the 70s, where, because comedy was a very different thing there, and yeah. people were doing, you know, different things were acceptable, and then everything changed, and they resent the change, yeah. and they go, oh, it's much better in our day when we could do jokes about black people, and gay people, and women being idiots. It was better, actually. Uh, but, uh, uh, but I'm with them now. <laughs> But so you've you know, you've stayed very you know, you still I mean you still do your own stuff, your own yeah, thing, but you yeah. but you've your fingers on the pulse and you go and see the other comedians and Yeah, well
0: I, I was uh, I was helped so much by older comics when I started. Yeah. They were very good to me and I was cheeky oik, you know, coming up. And uh, some of those big names here that like the Ted Raisin people were so yeah. good to me. So I thought give a bit back. And also, uh I get from a lot of the younger lot. I get some nice respect, so why can't I give some back? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's you know, weird, why just abuse them when they're being <laughs> nice to me? You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> but you know, you do. I mean, again, you earn that, and it's kind of. it is interesting because it is a. I mean, there are those different generations, and it's kind of interesting that you're still slotting, and fitting, and yeah. And yeah, still. I mean, it's, I know. I really would. I was watching yesterday, and I was thinking, you know, when I, if I live as long as you do, which is very unlikely. Stop rubbing it in. Uh, it's a very, very old, <laughs> <laughs> very, very old man. You know, it'd be terrific to be. You know, you're still there and you're still enjoying it on yeah, stage. I, I guess. Do it
0: if I didn't enjoy it. I mean, it, oh God, if, if you were faking it, you'd be knackered. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no, no. no, no i still enjoy it. It's up to the audience whether they enjoy it as yeah. well. <laughs> whatever they think of me I'm enjoying myself up there yeah
1: well that's good that's good uh and um I'm doing an Edinburgh memory every uh day of my own and if you if you've got one it can be uh, if you can if there's you know I don't know how your memory is Barry but uh, it's uh it's are fucking you? amazing is his memory is just unbelievable
0: are you uh, my
2: son It <laughs> <laughs> just How the t- visitors <laughs> been <laughs>
1: they steal your trousers when you're asleep you know (laughs) but um, I didn't come up to Edinburgh in the year 2000 I've got to 2000 I'd had a year off because I was writing uh, Time Gentleman Please for Al Murray yes Um, and so I'll talk about 2001 where I came back and did my first ever completely solo show Chrysler Bike the first time I did it and um, I was very nervous about doing that I'd never worked solo for a long time I'd, I'd very when I first started out and then I'd done the double act and I'd sketch shows and plays and I was very nervous so nervous in fact that I had a radio mic uh, that I wanted to use but then because I was too scared I also had a handheld mic that wasn't yeah. turned on that I, that I kind of just oh, really? hit the, yeah, I just, I just had to, I was so terrified I had to hold on to this microphone. It was just like my shield in front of me. But my favourite story from that year was um, when, I, when I got on stage, and it had been really built up actually, it's kind of people were very it was at, at the Pleasant Stone which had just opened up and no one was coming out there, and it was very quiet to begin with, and gradually the word of mouth got around. It didn't really get many reviews, but the word of mouth got around to the show was quite a good show, and I was very pleased with the show. Um, and it was a full show, and then as I got on stage, a phone started ringing in the audience, which I'm sure you've had to cope with this many yes. times. And it started ringing, I'd just started my early jokes and so I kind of thought, well, I'll, I'll ignore it, I'll just get through these first jokes and then it'll shut, the person will turn it off in embarrassment. But I got through the first 30 seconds of jokes and the phone was still ringing, you know, you kind of go, this is so, you know, incredibly rude that this yeah. is happening and they haven't even tried to turn it off. So I, ter- I turned to the where it was, was coming from and I said, Um, whose phone is that because, you know, it's very distracting, it's very rude. And this quite drunk guy, we don't know, we don't know where it's coming from. We think it's coming from behind the curtain, but the curtain was literally behind a wall like this. There was a wall behind the curtain. So I said, I don't think it is coming from behind the curtain because there's nothing behind that curtain. And so the stage manager came down and he found the phone, which was in the pocket of this guy who was saying he didn't know where the phone was. So rather than just turning it off, he was trying to cover cover up. And the stage manager got the phone and took it out. and And I said, give it to me and um and I threw the phone onto the floor, and it smashed into three like, three or four pieces. Great. I think it just went into its constituent parts. it would have slotted back together again, but there was this ma- the re- reaction was amazing because the yeah. audience went. Oh. And then just this wave of, yeah! <laughs> and, these people, and these very drunk couple they are sitting there really furious. And I was going, you might as well leave, you're not going to enjoy this, you're too drunk to enjoy it. And they came and gathered up the bits. And there was a bit when she came, the lady came in, I'd lost the batch, she came on and kind of grabbed it, I thought she was coming to come and punch me. And then I said, look, you might as well leave. She said, uh, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you your money if you want to leave, because you're just ruining it for everyone else in the end. And she said, I'm not leaving, you, 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 know, you, you pay for this phone, you've broken the phone. And I said, I'm not paying for that phone, it's broken. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, uh, and then they did leave anyway so they could have they didn't even get the money back but that was that was my uh, that was kind of a, I mean it, it was sort of amazing as well because you know having to deal with that on my yeah. own for the first time and yeah. you know, but it was it, but it was uh, it was kind of incredible year that year to go to come back and do stuff do you have a do you have a favorite Edinburgh memory another this isn't Edinburgh but just here we go yeah, butterfly my phone, brain. that's fine
0: you are saying that, that another angle on it i did a, a gig a few weeks ago and it was uh, the after lunch, after dinner world, my God, that's sin on the ground. I'm, I'm lucky doing other stuff, but boy, the recession and everything. But I was booked to speak after lunch in the Tower of London, and it was an accountancy firm. But he said, it, The crowd out our company, they're our clients, our customers. And this guy who booked me said, oh, I wanted you, Baz. And I said, oh, thank you very much. He said, they'll have never heard of you, but I, I wanted <laughs> you. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, a younger audience. And this is what happened. I stood up to speak, right, and, excuse me, this, this man's sitting right there. And he's texting. He's just sitting right in front of me. You see the glow on the screen. I thought, oh, terribly distracting, you know. So I stopped speaking. I went over to him. I said, everything all right? And I put my arm on his <laughs> shoulder and looked at the screen. And then I said, oh, I do apologise. Not none of my business, you see. I so think <laughs> it might get a bit of a laugh from the audience. Yeah. No. Bewildered <laughs> Be- willed- audience. Yeah, why? why is he interrupting
2: that man <laughs> when he's texting? <laughs>
1: It is. It's a you no. Know, it's a you know obviously it's a modern power. You do notice it. You can see the light. You know the faces the lighting up in there at the back of the room as someone's sitting, which is sort of slightly distracting and dispiriting. So I think I've I think I've done. That. I used do it in. Sometimes if I'm bored in a film, I'll do that. But you kind of think you know when you're aware that just all you see is this kind of Star Trek blue face lighting
0: up. It's a dead giveaway, isn't <laughs> it? it? Is, yeah, yeah. You think and it's secret, but it isn't. There's a glow there.
1: I liked your story about um, you cross swords with Stuart Lee in the year he did uh, when oh, he one of yeah, his comeback years.
0: Oh, yeah. the Stuart, uh, insulting you, and certainly many of you here who know all the facts, you know, Jerry Springer, the opera and all that, and Stuart had great stories about sort of death threats and towns where they wouldn't even put it on, and, oh, it was just... So, but he did a marvellous set-up here talking all about that. And one Friday morning, here in Edinburgh, there was a whole gang of us, writers, comics, and everybody, invited to see a film called The uh, Aristocrats, which is about... Telling a joke, you probably know the film, and this whole gang of us, are held hot. And Stuart came over to me and said, uh, Hello, Baz. And I just blanked him, froze him out. Him. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, What? What? I said, I've been told you've nicked my vomiting into Christ's anus. Routine. <laughs> And he was gone for about five <laughs> seconds really, <laughs> before he started laughing.
1: Oh. <laughs> it's very good. Well, look, I'm asking all my guests this question, Barry. Um, what would you need in return? What would it take for you to folate the actor Keith Allen? What would you need? I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry. I have to ask it, you, Barry. I feel bad, but I've asked. I've asked literally everyone about it. What would you need? To uh, fillet the actor Keith Allen. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I would do it posthumously.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you might end up doing that if I know Keith Allen. So that might. It's <laughs> the <laughs> so kind of thing. Very good. Top answer. That's, that's the best one so far. Susan Cowman now in second place. I should have like a little Top Gear style <laughs> list <laughs> of where I can place each answer in the in the list. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the the um. But what's the, what's the secret of great comedy, Barry? What's how you've got to impart your wisdom to us? What is the secret of comedy? Do you think you've learned after all these years?
0: Insensitivity. <laughs> no, I, I just mean that you just uh, you just do doing your best. I think it's it's patronising to think like you, the audience, they they will like this, they won't like There's no they. You just do what you enjoy and hope other people enjoy it. All the best people I ever worked with weren't patronising about their audience at all. Mm-hmm. They were just doing their thing and hoping, you know, and if you're as good as Eric and Ernie, or whatever, there's a hell of a lot of people who yeah. like what you're doing. Yeah. And you're enjoying what you're doing. That's all it is. I don't know, the, the great ones I worked with, they were all different. I think I did a very smug line, you did. You it was about a good line. what they all have in common. What they all have in common is that they've got nothing in common. (laughs) They're they're all so different. Tommy Cooper was. Tommy Cooper didn't like reading. He wasn't dyslexic or anything, but he didn't like the physical act of reading. So if he sat down to read a script, Tommy didn't like that at all. He wanted to get on with it and get on the rehearsal room floor. And first time I ever wrote for him, I uh, I noticed he repeated himself a lot. Good evening, good evening. So I wrote a little two or three minute bit for him. And the first line was, good evening, comma, good evening, full stop, you see. So the nice woman, the producer, the director, and she presses the stopwatch. Go on, Tom. And he went, good evening, good evening, what's this? (laughs) And stopped, so they stopped the stopwatch. Barry, what's this? I said, well, well, sorry, Tom, I noticed you said everything twice, so I put it down twice. (laughs) You put it down once, I'll say it twice, and you get the best of the bargain. (laughs)
1: What is that <laughs> 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 And are you still going to see shows while you're up here? Have you seen anything? Oh see? yes,
0: but this I was saying at my advanced age and I've got family up here, I've got my wife and daughter, two grandchildren, everything and you're a bit old for rushing about in the rain seeing the twenty eight shows I wanna see and I know I won't See them all. You know, you try. You try. That's sure. all I can say at Mark Barn <laughs> stage. I see a lot of the mates and circulate a lot and seen you and coming here today and I've done a podcast and some three chat shows and the yeah. I'm not unknown in the loft bar at the Gilded Balloon. <laughs> so you do you do meet a lot of your mates even if you don't see those shows. So yeah. you try.
1: It is very difficult to get to get around. I've seen. I've only seen two shows, and yours is one of them. So there you go. That's oh well, a, thank you very that's much. That's some kind. I didn't pay for it. What was that the other show? one? <laughs> uh, I saw Catherine Ryan, who's a new, uh, very young uh, com- Canadian comedian. So it's yep. quite opposite ends of the spectrum.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, she's the girl with the po- uh, with the poster of her in a in a beauty pageant with a pregnant belly, have you seen that? Oh yes. Kind of uh, quite a shocking uh, so that's the, but that's what I quite like, you know I've got a very eclectic taste, I liked about uh, I should really be getting a percentage of your PR, I don't know who your PR is. My uh, my PR man. I don't know if uh, There are uh, rumours we're having an affair in actual fact but I've got an injunction on it (laughs) so we're okay. I mentioned him in The Observer and I've got, I've I've made Barry cry the cover star of three weeks, I was asked to guest edit, uh, which is I think my proudest achievement to see your your old face shining back off the f- front of that. <laughs> the tone's <laughs> changing, have you noticed? <laughs> but uh, Jerry Sadovitz was the other person I chose oh, to do yes, which Jerry. I can't really think of two more different comedians no, than you and Jerry. Uh, he's you're, he is amazing, isn't he? I yeah. only
0: met Jerry once at the uh, Travis, and he talked to his shoes. Right. I mean, he really shy. Really yeah. shy. Have you seen Jerry work? And he is really something. But when it. When I met him, he was very shy He's very. I mean, he's very gentle. I heard him on the radio years ago, and he was behaving himself, unless they'd edited him. <laughs> you know, the language. He was being very constructive and very interesting, and he said, uh, I'd like to do a sort of uh, comedy commune, a kibbutz, where there's a whole load of us, you know, contemporaries and everything. We all do different things, and we all get together and do shows all together. But I think we'd need an older head to really control it. I don't mean Barry Cryer, but you know the sort of thing I mean. <laughs> Walked,
1: I don't know what that was, it fascinated <laughs> me. And that, what, we were out for a drink yesterday in the afternoon, before your show, and you had a couple of pints of quite strong lager before the show in the afternoon, and you've had a... Did little, I? Yeah, you had a little... <laughs> you were you a, there? <laughs> I was there. Yeah, you had a no, little beer backstage two, before, before the show. Two is top. Two tops, Yeah.
0: Two, two, two top, is top, two not three. Top. No, not three. After I, the I can't, show, relax. I can't
1: yeah. even drink two pints of beer after the show now. Right? That's, like a, that's I, I wake up terribly hungover and in, in trouble if I do that. So but I'm just the impressed by The yours old
0: breed, you know, I don't know. and I'm not recommending it or proselyting it, but we're, my my breed, you know, the yeah. pints and, and the cigarettes still smoking. I yeah. mean, my GP, Chris, who's a mate, he's given up. Uh, he's given up trying to get me to give up because uh, I've failed group therapy and hypnotism and... I got down to 20 patches a day <laughs> and, uh, and I've been checked up and I'm, where's the word? I'm all right. And Chris, my doctor, says, I don't get it. You're 76. How long have you been smoking, Baz? He'd never <laughs> asked me that. Yeah. And I thought, God, I was the cliche. I was behind the bike sheds at school, you know. 60 years. Must be 60 years smoking. He said, I'm a doctor. I give up. He said, What is your DNA, your metabolism? And I'm not proud of that. I'm just grateful, you know.
1: Maybe if you smoke enough, it makes you immortal. That's the thing. The, people, the people who die aren't, just aren't doing enough of it. That's, yeah. Well, let's try that as an I experiment. Don't know. I don't know. A <laughs> couple of pints of beer. That's a terrific. Thing. So we we'll Given the choice yeah, between
0: smoking and filleting Keith Allen,
1: <laughs> yeah, smoking just, <laughs> smoking just makes it. <laughs> But you're very, you very, you are a gentle like I think Jerry in fact in real life is a very gentle yes, crust yeah. sweet man but you're a very gentle sweet man and uh, a gentleman yes. in, proper, in a proper sense of the word so uh, you know, have you but were you when you were younger were you more of a were there, were there kind of high jinks amongst all those that group of comedians and were you uh, we did you I get know. into trouble what, what can't was remember a lot of hell raising no. going on
0: <laughs> no there was just uh, well the cliché straight after the bar i don't remember oh Freddie star yeah Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Mad Fred, Mad Fred, yes. He was a real loose cannon maverick, amazing. You worked with Kenny Everett as well, was he? Oh, was he, yes. He no, was Kenny was a quiet man. Was he? He said, "Oh, they expect me to come into a room turning cartwheels. <laughs> and he was a very shy man. He saved yeah. it for when he was on. And uh, I told you, I'd, he always called me Bar. And years ago, I'd been writing for him for quite a while, now TV and BBC. And, then I was married over 30 years with four kids, and uh, Ev said to me, ooh, bah, I said, you married over 30 years with four children. What a smokescreen. <laughs> <laughs> it was Evo who called me Henri Gay, friend of the family, which I think is great. Right. <laughs> and as you know, our local rabbi calls me Henri Jew, friend of the family, so yeah. what do I do for three? <laughs> can't think what the term. Transsexual? Yes, no. Henri <laughs> Tranny. Henri Tranny, yeah.
1: And so you work with uh, Michael McIntyre's dad? In Ray the, Cameron, in the, yeah, yeah and the Lee late
0: Mac- Ray Cameron, Cameron, whose name was Ray McIntyre, hence Mike's kept yeah, yeah. A family name. And the others, there's so much sniping at Mike going on now. And, uh, you know, we were old gangers, weren't we, just the yeah. other day? Al Murray was there and Tim Vine and Dave Gorman and you and I. Yeah, yeah. And we were saying, what's it about? You don't have to think Mike's funny Dave Gorman said Mike doesn't make me laugh, but he's a good, good, bloody good comedian and a hard yeah. worker. So you know we're all we've all got our, our scene.
1: I mean, it's it's amazing the uh, the vitriol against. Oh, him. Exactly. I completely. Especially given I mean, it's, I think I mean it's it's created a new breed of TV shows that aren't necessarily representative of the stand-up circuit. But yeah. then it also does mean people are. Incredibly interested in stand-up, so if, it, if it, it's just in the same way, and I'm not even saying this is exact, right? But if like, if you re, if when you're a child, you start you start liking pop music, like the Backstreet Boys, or take that, or whatever yes, gets, yeah. and then that might lead you on to other forms of comedy. Yeah. So if you start getting into someone who's very good at doing that kind of more family-friendly kind of yeah. observational stuff, I think observational stuff is very hard. As my first five minutes every day here uh, <laughs> yes. usually shows. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I met him back. I met him the first time properly in two thousand and seven in uh, Montreal when we were at the Montreal Festival. And right. He was, it was, you know, he was like the new boy on the bill, really. I mean, he, he'd been going for a few years by then, but it was like Frank Skinner and Jimmy Carr and people like that. And, yeah. and Michael came on and was like amazing and blew the place apart in this little show. And then within literally within three months, he was like the most famous <laughs> comedian in yeah. in Britain. It was. I think it's the it's the it's the rise, isn't it? That is not it That it's so rapid. That I think it's resented he, yeah. in certain
0: quarters. I don't know because he just went like that, didn't yeah, he? So so
1: you kind of overtake people Latin the people. Apollo
0: show and then oh it's now 02 and massive stadiums and everything and yeah. maybe there's some uh, jealousy and resentment of the speed it doesn't seem many years ago since I was sat in a room somewhere here in Edinburgh and about 20 of us listening to Mike yeah. in a ebullient form and then in no time at all oof yeah. it happens quickly now as it well it does
1: for some people Barry uh, yeah. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> things can only get better. I probably get you know another five people every year coming to see me. And by, by the time I'm your age, I'll be... Uh... You're much respected. No, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting there. I'm getting there, Barry. <sighs> rather <laughs> rather have 25 million pounds, rather than sitting in a Perspex box in King's Cross. That's <laughs> the first... They hadn't offered it to every other comedian in the world. I wouldn't mind. Uh, so look, we're going to have a little break, Barry, <laughs> while we um, while we have a, a, a one of the one of the newer acts coming on to do five minutes. I don't know. Do you know Ed Axel? Have you seen Ed Axel before? Yes. He's a fantastic, uh, fantastic comedian ploughing his own furrow. Very much. Uh, will you please welcome and and Ed? Would you remember to give uh, plug your show because I forgot to ask you where it is? Will you please welcome? Uh, we're going to can you? We're going to nip off the stage unless you want to indeed s- unless you want to stay there. Do, I? I do you can stand there, no, I'm I'm uh, stand there just not laughing. Uh there going, I do good in it. <laughs> so, will you please welcome the incredible Ed Axel? Uh, g-
2: good afternoon. Um, um <clears throat> uh, Twenty three years ago. Kohlberg, Kravis and Roberts launched the largest corporate takeover in history, purchasing RJR Nabisco for an astonishing $109 per share. Um, In 1974, (laughs) the London Stock Exchange lost an astonishing 73% of its value, (laughs) combined with a near total collapse in both commercial and residential property values. St Lawrence's Church in Broughton in Buckinghamshire is a grade one listed building, predominantly because of its remarkable series of medieval wall paintings. Um, none, of, none of this has anything to do with the show. Um, just goes to show how your mind wanders when you're a bit nervous. LAUGHTER um, um, before I begin, I'd, I'd just like to mark the passing of Augustus Stanley Oosley III who, uh, who died sadly this year. Um, for those of you who don't know, Mr. Oosley was a hippie from the 1960s era who was arguably responsible for the entire psychedelic period as he pioneered the industrial production of LSD on one occasion he was caught with 350,000 tabs of acid in his possession. Um, His legal defense was they were for his own personal use. Uh, um, um, I I think it was um, Joseph Stalin who who said in life death solves everything. Um, No man, no problem. I've tried to adapt that to my comedy. (laughs) So so, so in comedy, laughter solves everything. No audience, no problem. (laughs) Um, uh, I I need to get my comedy career back onto some kind of meaningful commercial footing. So I've identified a number of comedic styles I should follow in order to hit the big time. So, uh, Northern Comic female comic, angry rant comedian, surrealist comic, one-liner merchant, impressionist, improvisational comedian, inner city, 1930s musical act, <laughs> Jewish character act, or observational comic? So wh- which which would you like me to do? <laughs> angry Angry rant comic. Right, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, uh. I'll, I'll get into I'll get into the part um, so <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> <Brrr. sighs> T- top shop don't cater for the larger man <laughs> so this is a shop okay that wants to sell clothes to everyone except people who are a bit tubby and can't get a handle that people some people are a bit than others, so those people lose out. should be firebombed. <laughs> uh, I, 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 are you with me? <laughs> and all of their staff killed. <laughs> uh, what, 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 let's do another one. You, would you like me to get into character? Yeah, thank you. Um, so that's so just find female. Uh, I would say before I begin this, an, an apology may be required afterwards. Uh, um, so, so my husband said <laughs> he needed some space, so I told him to clean out the garage. Whenever my sister tells me all men are bastards, I don't know why, I'm always thinking, why did she get it so lucky? Why, why do retailers think us girls purchase, should, everything us girls purchase should be pink or flowery? I went to buy a bicycle and the only one in the shop was pink. I wanted a blue one, men. <laughs> No, now look, now look. The 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 reason why an apology is required is 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 I've never ever seen or heard a female comedian approach comedy in that way. Um, 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 so I I I, I sincerely apologise. Right, um, I think I probably ought to end things more or less there. Um, 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 I've adopted, I've opted to be a semi character based postmodern anti comedian, so um, I know I've, I've finally sold out. So, <laughs> I've, so I've concluded in order to get onto television, I must generate some solid workman like material on some of the following subjects. I be- should begin with a funny thing happened to me on, to the w- on the way to the gig gag, e.g., falling over, getting arrested, or going blind. <laughs> Get get to the bottom of what it was about the Japanese and whaling. <laughs> ask whether Richard Nixon was just a nice guy in a difficult job. Uh, ask ask why Deng Xiaoping was known as Crazy Horse. <laughs> why the, why will the entire universe degenerate into protons anyway? Wonder where, where where I would actually be if I really was Isaiah Berlin. And <laughs> And can Americans really live in France and retain their dignity? <laughs> M- men love women, women love children, children love animals, animals many love food. Food. Punchline yet to be written. <laughs> Thank you, you've been lovely.
1: So <clears throat> no, come on back up Barry. Ed Axel there. When do you want, Ed? The underbelly. You're in the underbelly at what time? 7.20. 7.20. So go and see him. And one of the most amazing comedians we've got. Uh do very original stuff. Uh, so. Um,
0: Listening to him, my, rude yes. interruption. No, go on. I love that sort of non-sequitur, that, that train of thought.
1: Yeah. I've got a mate
0: called Bob Goody an actor who used to do a double act many years ago with Mel Smith. I remember actually, yeah. And then Mel went on to do Not the Nine O'Clock News, and yeah. Bob rather wryly says, whatever happened to me? He's a lovely man. <laughs> and uh, he does poetry readings, and I went to see him the other week in London. And uh, he's lovely rambling style, and he said to the, uh, said to the audience above this power, he said, uh, I was reading the other day, Johnny Depp paid 3,000 pounds for a bottle of wine. What the fuck's that all about? So I thought I'd write a poem about it. The poem is called Johnny Depp paid 3,000 pounds for a <laughs> bottle of wine. What the fuck's that all about? <laughs> Here it is. Johnny Depp.
2: Is <laughs> By then we're all doing it with him, it
1: <laughs> Brilliant. Look, we've got a competition now where people have got a chance to win uh, Simon Donald's book, uh, As It Occurs to Me, on DVD. Fantastic uh, listen. Lots of hours of comedy and swearing. Uh, Loads of tickets to Stephen Carlin... Uh, Dave Fulton who's brilliant you should go and see him and Simon Donald as well and uh, £40 wine voucher there's all sorts of crap in here so what we do uh, Barry is um, yes. uh, you can stay seated if you wish as you are you know. I'd stand up for you no no it's okay I, I th- wouldn't for Keith Allen, <laughs> but I'll stand up for you <laughs> well I, mm. uh, so um, <laughs> what we need is everyone in the audience to stand up that's for sure and then um, what we do me and Barry are going to make a statement, uh, series of true or false statements they may be true they may be false you have to decide if you think they're true or false. Uh, you Put your hands on your head if you think they're true. Put your hands on your bottom if they think they're false. Uh, and if you get it wrong, you have to sit down. It's self-policing. But uh, you, you, uh, there is anarchy within the room for the next 15 minutes. So no, any crime is allowed for anyone who's cheating. So uh, uh, every day, pretty much every day in this quiz, I've started by saying that the newsreader, Kenneth Candle, has died during the morning which has not happened, of course, that's an t- awful thing to say. Uh, but here's a fact about Kenneth Kendall, is it true or false? He immortalised uh, James Dean in dozens of paintings, drawings, bronze busts and statues. Is that true or false? Kenneth Kendall immortalised James Dean in dozens of paintings, bra- drawings, bronze busts and statues. According to Alan Greening, uh, is that true or false? That's true, it's a different Kenneth Kendall, but it's... No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Have you got a statement, Barry? What, a statement? A statement of truth or false. Do you understand the competition? I'll do another one if you don't want one. um, You can tell us a fact about something.
0: Norman Mailer uh, in Edinburgh years ago said to me, what do you do? Uh, And I said, I write. What do you write? I said, I write for comedians. He said... Jesus, I've always wanted to do that.
1: True or false? Is that the end of it? Am I supposed to (laughs) say... You know, I'll say true true or false. No, the audience now have to decide. Is that true or false? Did that happen? Did Norm Mailer envy Barry Cryer? True or false? Uh, Is it true or false, Barry? It's true. It is true. So sit down if you said false. How dead? He what? didn't envy me, he just said it's no, something no. he'd always fancied doing and yeah, never yeah, done that's, it. That's some uh, of my own uh, thing. So we've we got with that. If you're at the back, step forward if you're still in, uh, so we can see you. But if there's anyone in that standing area. Uh, okay, um, Kenneth Kendall, the uh, newsreader. <laughs> yes. I'm going to pretend to read it off my phone so it looks more real. Uh, in, uh, before he found fame as a newsreader... Uh, this is the new this is the one from Treasure Hunt we're talking about now, not the American one. He gave a twenty one year old John Inman of Are You Being Served Fame a job as a scenic artist with his touring company. Is that true or false? Did Kenneth Kendall, the newsreader, give a job to John Inman? Sorry. <laughs> is it true or false? Uh, you've changed your mind. According to Alan Greening, who sends me these facts about Kenneth Kendall, that is true. Uh, everything, everything I say about Kenneth Kendall is true. That is, as a rule of thumb, apart from that he's died. That is, uh, that's the. Did end he he have a touring company? Well, ask me. Apparently, that's what Kenneth Kendall. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I've said enough. I'm,
0: sorry. Uh, I'm a, sorry. Our
1: decision is final, whether it's true yeah, or false, right? right. That's, the, that's just to Respect. solve disputes. Okay. So we've got t- just two gentlemen left in, or is anyone else left in? Oh, and some. Um, oh, there's three over there. Step forward into the light a little bit more. Have you got another? Another uh, statement of truth or false? Barry, you're allowed to make up something up um, or you can just tell me uh, another truth? Where thing.
0: I live, there's an H14 bus yeah. uh, which I use <laughs> and I like very much indeed. And when I spot this H14 bus, I shout, hello, darling.
1: Is that true or false? <laughs> <laughs> Mainly gone for true? Is that true or false, Barry? True. That is true. So sit so down and Always, always believe Barry, he never lies. Uh, <laughs> In uh, 1991, one of my final jobs uh, was that I worked as a researcher for the MP Robin Cook. Is that true or false? A couple gone for false, a few gone for true. All over true over there. That's false. (laughs) Uh, So uh, (laughs) uh, this one's down to you. I think there's two people left in. Is that right? You'll both win something, so don't go away at the end. But one of you's going to win all that exciting stuff is a young band bearded man and a mysterious big glass lady He's <laughs> wearing her sunglasses it's tr- slightly terrifying actually i think she may have she may have come from the future so have you got uh, to warn us to warn barry cryer not to do this podcast because yes. it would wreck his career uh, too late got to here too late have you got another statement barry? um
0: years ago i met a very attractive young woman and i was Hitting on her. I yeah. was coming on at her. Wow. And she said, Oh, false. you're lovely. Do you <laughs> is that the time? Sorry, carry and, on, Mary. Uh, she said, Oh, you're lovely. Are you aware I'm your second cousin? <laughs>
1: <laughs> true or false? Whoever goes for the true and false, that's good. It's gone one way or the other. So is that true or false, Barry, False. It is false. So this lady here is one. What's your name, madam? Oh, she's very excited about the victory. All your prizes are inside this book, madam, so careful. There's lots in there. Don't drop it. And There's all sorts of different tickets. I so will send some tickets out. Uh, some we haven't really talked to the audience very much, but that young man, you can go see Dave Fulton at 11.20 tonight at stand uh, number five. So pass those back to the gentleman there. In fact, you can also go and see um, Stephen Carlin. So pass those back to him. Uh, let's see. I like the look of you, young man. What's your name? Uh, Lewis. How old are you, Lewis. 18. No, oh, you look younger than that. Uh, <laughs> you can go and see... I'm not interested in you now. Uh, you can go and see... Uh, <laughs> no fun if it's legal, is it? Hey, you know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you can go and see Dave Fulton. He's really good. Um, have, you got, have you got a friend to go with? Aww. Oh, he hasn't. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Barry Cry 'll go. I think Barry's yeah, going yeah, home. No, you'll go. You'll I'm go. Dancy going, Dave yeah. Fulton. Uh, you two can have the Dave Fulton tickets as well. And Simon Donald, who is a gentleman, as uh, oh, a lovely, fantastic. He was on yesterday. Who did anyone enjoy him yesterday? There's a lady there straight in. Uh, the first, just one person, Simon, enjoyed it yesterday. Uh, and uh, Stephen Carlin, let's see, I don't know, let's see, who do we like? Oh, go on then, madam, you can have him. Stephen Carlin mainly talks about snooker, snooker-based comedy. <laughs> so what's your, um, I don't think he's doing that this year, actually. I was only, I was only taking there's a the bit. a joke, you know. Go on.
0: This is a very um, charming joke. Two guys talking, one said, it's my wife's birthday uh, next week, and uh, I'm going to give her a table and he said it'll probably all end in tears like last year she's crap at snooker <laughs> what a charming joke <laughs> always finish on an anti-climax no, I I
1: tell, tell your wife's favourite joke for the, from your show last night and That can be when you'd say this one's my wife's favourite or did you say yeah, that well, it's true no yeah, it's it, it like my,
0: my darling's favourite joke man said to his doctor I think my wife's going deaf I don't want to mention it It'd be tactless and insensitive is there any way I can gauge it preferably without her knowing And the doctor said there is it's quite logical quite easy choose a moment when she's got her back to you say something in a normal voice if she doesn't answer move a little nearer say it again you'll get an idea about hearing so the guy comes home from work and his wife's standing with her back to him in the kitchen and he said what's for dinner love Uh, no answer so he oh moved in what's for dinner love no response oh boy moved in again what's for dinner love nothing by now he's right behind her and he said what's for dinner love and she turned around and said, for the fourth time, chicken.
1: <laughs> Your wife has incredible taste in men and jokes. That is the best joke in Barry Cryer's show. Go and see him at 5.45, 6, 540, 645, 645. 6.45, 6.45 at uh, the Gilded Balloon. I don't think there'll be any tickets left. Mr. Barry Cryer, ladies and gentlemen, you. living legend. Thank you very much. Please give it up for Ed Axel. Tomorrow we're back with uh, Josh Whitcomb and a secret surprise guest. I'm going to pretend it's Stuart Lee because last time I did that it was sold out. Uh, but I don't know who it is yet. But uh, thank you very much. Please come and see my show What Is Love Anyway at the uh, cab on tonight 8.50. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.